0: or contact your local office and get started on your path to success today. This is Small Biz Florida the podcast and broadcast. It's all things business across the state of Florida and uh, I am Tom Kindred your host. And as you know, we're coming to you from the Florida Makes Make More Manufacturing Summit here in Lake Nona, Florida. We are at the incredible GuideWell Innovation Center and Incredible, probably is a understatement. Um, Phenomenal uh, facility here dedicated to um, incubation uh, in some sort of way in the healthcare and medical field. Uh, Lots of entrepreneurs here in the building creating uh, technology and healthcare, technology and medical devices and products. Uh, Pretty impressive facility to say the least. Um, And we've got one of those innovative thinkers with us right now uh, that uh, developed an incredible organization. We've got with us a Brittany Greer, who is the executive director and the founder of Rosie Riveters. Uh, Brittany, thank you uh, for your time here at the Florida Makes uh, Make More Summit. Yeah, thanks
1: for chatting with me.
0: Absolutely. Incredible organization. I got to tell you, this is... I mean, just when you think you've heard it all, I'm telling you, there's an organization like yours. I, I'm I'm just so impressed with this, and impressed with the innovative nature of this whole, uh, uh, you know, organization that you've got, and your mission and your purpose. Uh, Rosie Riveter's goal is to close the gender gap in STEM. Uh, just a little fact here: uh, in 2019, women made up only 27 percent of the science and engineering workforce in the U.S. Uh, so what, what Rosie Riveters has done is created programs that work towards achieving gender equality in the field, uh, by starting early, uh, preschool, middle school, engaging repeatedly and building confidence via, uh, the productive struggle. I, I mean, Brittany, I got to tell you, incredible thinking here, uh, to create this organization. You know, I'm, I've been at the college now for 10 years. I've, I was in the you know, in the manufacturing um, department for a while, we did training. And I I know that there's always been this conversation of uh, having females, uh, you know, in STEM jobs, that there's great opportunities, but you've really taken it to the next level. I mean, to create a whole organization dedicated to this issue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the focus of it was I was in a, a STEM field Um, not, I don't have a STEM background, I'm a communications professional by trade, but I was working in the energy industry. Um, And one of the things they were looking at was safety culture, right? And how do you change that? Well, any time to change culture or to innovate or to do something is to diversify the group of people who are participating in the conversation. Um, And became deeply immersed in pipeline. And I'm I'm a big believer that you don't solve problems at the problem point, you solve the things that are causing them to happen. And the big disengagement point, the reason why you have that 28 percent number um, the first big kind of loss of women's participation is middle school um, and there's a it's by 30 percent around that range um, and what overlaps that interestingly enough girls between the ages of 8 and 11 their confidence drops by 30 uh, percent and there was a ton of programming out there there continues to be and there I could list off a million organizations that focus on the middle school and high school um, kind of engagement and I anybody else wants to come into the space do it right like the more the barrier Right. But that early engagement component just is still very much lacking. Um, and if we want them to not disengage in middle school, we have to look at the reasons why that disengagement's happening. And, and that's exa- essentially exactly what Rose Riveters does. That's
0: some high-level thinking, Brittany. Um, you know, and, and like you say, actually uh, starting early, uh, attacking the problem very early.
1: Yeah, you, uh, you cement your relationship to learning in elementary school, right? What kind mm-hmm. of learner are you? What does it mean to be smart? You can see my air quotes if you could see me in real <laughs> life, right? Yes. <laughs> but, and and by being able to pull girls into a space via a productive struggle, which means they get stuff wrong before they get it right. They get comfortable with not having the answer immediately. They're more comfortable mm-hmm. going into spaces where maybe they're not 150% qualified to be there. Mm-hmm. My air quotes are there again, right? But they know that they can absolutely be beneficial and participatory in that space.
0: Do you think, do you think this has a lot to do with just old fashioned, just culture, you know, uh, females, you know, should be in nursing and, you know, those traditional fields. Do you think, do you think it just a lot of it, it can be attributed to that just Old-fashioned, you know, traditional thinking.
1: Stereotypes are definitely a strong thing and influential in society, and they're they're not to be discounted as a part of the conversation. But interestingly enough, girls are academically ahead of their male counterparts until about middle school, right? They they, 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 they we all oops, sorry we all wind up finding our path. I hit the mic there, um, but in elementary school, they're academically ahead. So uh, girls tend to on the whole, there's exceptions in every instance, right? But uh, they tend to go through elementary school equating intelligence with an innate understanding of something, right? They're not necessarily pushed in that level of learning because it's a general ed classroom. Well, if you start to equate understanding and intelligence and smarts with an innate understanding, the first time you walk in to an advanced math class and it's not innate, which Nobody's designed to wake up in no trig. There's a few select people who do, and if you do, more power you. Yeah,
0: I think my wife may be one yeah, of those. She's, and that's she's, amazing. A ma- she's a math teacher. Right. Yeah, so who does that? And I don't. We,
1: we love you. Like, right. you're great that you exist, but you're not, like, the norm of society. Um, and so being able to have people walk in and say, okay, I didn't innately – wake up and do trig in my head, but I can get there and figure it out, is what we work to shift in terms of their relationship to learning early. So it's part of just that environment. And boys, because they're academically developing at a different rate at that age, what are they doing? They're being told, sit back down, folks a little harder, we're going to get through it, no problem. That's growth mindset. That's confidence, and I'll figure it out. Right. And so by being able to provide a space for girls where we have a productive struggle, where we push them a little bit out of their comfort zone, where we challenge them, we're giving them that similar opportunity that's happening in that elementary school space so that we can, we can build confidence and navigate all those other things that are going to happen from stereotypes to existing issues that happen within
0: pipeline. So I guess I have to ask a, a you know a very basic question, which I do from uh, most of the time, because uh, I'm not smart enough to ask the really tough ones. Um, but why, why, why are we why are we concerned about uh, getting women involved in STEM? Is it do we see women as a benefit? They can bring something to STEM, which I'm sure mm-hmm. is the case. Do we see that women aren't taking advantage of what are great career opportunities? So what's the why here? Why? It's
1: all of the above, to okay. be perfectly honest with you. Um, women are 50% of the population. They need to be participating in spaces where we're having output and innovation as a part of society. Diverse teams are more productive. The evidence on that goes back. Um, I, we could we could run a whole class on it, right. Right, you know, of that information. And so you want to have your workforce right. representing the populations you're serving, and if yeah. you're not, you are missing out significantly. Right. Um, and the, and if we look, I mean, even if you look at the opportunities for the pay gap and everything else that exists, bringing women into manufacturing is going to support changing that dynamic because the average salary of somebody in manufacturing is higher than the national average. Right. Um, yeah. And so it's that's also critically important. Um, but at the bulk of it, you, you want your workforce to reflect your population.
0: Nice. Um, how difficult is this for you, Brittany? Uh, I'm, I'm curious. Um, you know, we, uh, when we talk to manufacturers, uh, about a lot of issues, not just, you know, uh, workforce diversity, but we talk to them about changing the way they manage, uh, changing the way they, they run the shop, changing hours, uh, a lot of pushback. Um, you know, how difficult is this to have a conversation with a manufacturer and say, you know, you really should have more females on the floor? Is that a, is that a tough uh, conversation?
1: I've yet to have any pushback in terms of the need for more women, right? It's, it's just about the dynamic of reaching that. And a lot of the times the solutions that are out there are surface level. Right, they're 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 going to talk to you once. We're not we are not a one and done organization. One of the things that you mentioned in your intro is this continued engagement. I've had the incredible honor of seeing young women when they're in kindergarten, and then when I write high school recommendation letters, right? Um, and to be more specific, we've had because of the lifeline of how we've existed. I've written high school recommendations and college recommendation letters for those who started with us in middle school, et cetera. Um, but that continued engagement is critical. Our success rate of getting that to happen is really good, right? That's why we're having these conversations, and it's by and the reason that is is the programs are great, they're highly engaging, but we're also highly focused on accessibility within community. It's not an if you build it, they will come. It's if you build it and you look at the community and you look at the connection points that are required and you look at how you can be show up consistently for that community, then you get to retain them, not only through your program, but through wider pipeline. And that's right. the greatest challenge
0: so that's the employer side
1: mm-hmm.
0: what what do you hear from from the employee side? what do you hear from the young ladies uh, that you talk to? do they say, oh gosh, I you know no way would I want to go work in manufacturing is there a is there some is there some pushback from those that you that that you're working with? They don't understand the industry. They don't understand the the, the you know the space. How not, does that work?
1: Not to date. I mean, I'll give you a, a quick tidbit of insight. So we just launched our high school program. So we, for the past. Um, up until this year, we've been only working with four to 14. And we didn't think we'd have a high school program because we piped them into other amazing opportunities. Um, but I stuck a rosy red headband on them for you know six yeah. years and they were like, I'm a rosy, I'm not leaving, right? So <laughs> we developed a high school program for them. And the really interesting part of it was the opening session that we did, we had a conversation about how they viewed themselves in relationship to gender in the workforce. Where had they had these negative experiences? and because they've been in our bubble of pipeline their their unanimous response was that they hadn't which is kind of wild because it doesn't match up with statistics but we've created an environment where they don't not see that they belong in every aspect of every workforce and so the more that we can pipeline and women who are going into that experience the more success we're going to have now we do caveat at that like once you leave the rosy bubble and you go to college these experiences might be different and if they're different it's not a question of you not belonging there it's a question of the space needing to evolve right. um, and so and so that insight has been really interesting um, so the young women that I'm directly interacting with are very much seeing themselves as kind of the world is waiting for them to make their impact on it which nice. is incredible nice. um, and so if I'm a if I'm an employer that's the person I want on my team right. right and so we're just I'm just excited for what the future holds when these young women enter that space
0: I had the opportunity uh, through some of my work at uh, Indian River State College to um uh, to be engaged in some, uh, we we call, it was a grant program. It was called Fast Track to Manufacturing, where we took uh, individuals through the four modules of the MSSC certified production technician training. Mm-hmm. And we were always interested in finding you know standout females to get involved in the program because, uh, to your point which you made uh, a minute ago, um, the, these really are these are great careers. Mm-hmm um and you know and and from what we saw in our program uh, there were opportunities for uh, women to really excel in manufacturing quality control type positions where attention to detail mm-hmm. um, does that all is that all a fair assessment of, of, of getting females and women involved in manufacturing
1: Yeah I mean I think honestly with the, the interest of anybody going into career is different from individual, right? You've got people who want to make uh, impact in what's happening. You've got peop- you've got young women who are um, data people and want to be focused, I and mean, they're just as diverse as the generalized population, right? And their interests are varied, which means that their opportunities for them in this space are are massive, right? Because they can fill all of those positions equally, depending on their individual interests. And so, I don't know that I would um, say that women in this space are particularly like it's a woman related field for them to walk into i think it's just that they haven't been represented in the space because of the multitudes of other things that have been going on and the more that we can have just diversity of perspective coming into that space the better um and i'm yeah like i said it's just the opportunities that are endless just because it's a different approach it's a different aspect um but it's also looking at kind of wider pipeline influence from that it's what does the work environment look like? What's the pipeline of the class participation and college level, there's, there's m- many kind of aspects that have to kind of evolve for people to feel included. Um, because when you feel excluded, it's not a fun space to be. And so um, the, the individuals who've persevered regardless of all circumstances are great, but right. we're looking to change that that perseverance isn't the requirement, um, but it's the space to be your best self in an, in a workforce or in a, a position where you can thrive and, and deliver your best
0: contribution to the space. Nice, and of course, I incorrectly assumed uh, when we sat down and began to uh, talk that you were kind of a Florida-based, but you are not. This is um, you're well on your way to to taking this program national. Talk a little bit about your organization, Rosie Riveter itself. Where are you based? Uh, How are you scaling up the organization?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're predominantly, our, our primary number of participants that we're currently serving are in the Northern Virginia region. So just outside of D.C. So we're across Northern Virginia and Maryland. Um, And then most recently, we've um, expanded into Jacksonville, which is not some random evolution. (laughs) Um, We have a partnership with Blue Star Families, which is the largest chapter-based military-serving organization in the country. Um, And that relationship has been wonderful. for kind of threefold of reasons, a uh, we get to leverage spouse force, which is military spouses um, who are looking for employment. And if you ever want to find the most overqualified population of individuals, look at military spouses. They like collect doctorates. It's like wild. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're incre- wow, I did.
0: That's a good good to know. They're yes. really
1: incredible, but their their movement is really difficult. I mean, for instance, even like individual. If you're a teacher in one state, it doesn't carry into another state right? So being able to jump from place to place every two years becomes a really limiting rate set factor for them. Well, one of my biggest assets is my instructors, right? My trained instructors. So their movement is a positive for us. Um, And one of the reasons why we've been as successful as we have to date in terms of retention of our participants and that re-engagement is that we are accessible and we're community focused. And so we've been asked to expand since day one. And our answer has always been no, because how do we respond because nonprofits require humans and capital, whatever, right. all those things that go with it. But um, with Blue Star, what we're able to do is leverage the fact that they have chapters in different locations. And they have a person whose sole job is community. And so by us collaborating with them about bringing a Rosie program into place, we not only get to interact with military-connected kids, which, by the way, a woman with a military background is 50% more likely than her civilian counterparts to stay in STEM, which is huge, um, but again, 78% of active military is male. So we were looking at how do we, how do we work with that population but expand that kind of gender opportunity. Um, and so that's with military connected children. We hire military spouses. And um, through the pandemic and the leverages of the information we learned there, we were able to figure out how to hire and train and resource remotely. Um, and so we're going into our second program in Jacksonville. We'll be at the uh, Florida State College um, at Jacksonville's Advanced Technology Center. Right. First program's October 22nd um, with a group of 42 uh, participants aged four to four, wow. five to 14 across three different age groups Um, and that's the second round of this and we'll be back again next fall and next spring Um, and then the beauty of that is once we're in there with our after school and our Saturday enrichment we then have the opportunity where appropriate and needed in a district to also support them with our in school programs.
0: How does one get involved in your program? Uh, How do they get engaged?
1: So they can visit our website, which is rosyrivitors.com. From there, you can find all of our connections across social. Uh, There's a volunteer page that you can fill in. Uh, We love to have in-person volunteers. If you are in Jacksonville and want to come see a Rosieriveters program in person, reach out to us. We would love to see you. We take two volunteers per class, and it is a life changing experience to watch a girl wow. go from, I can't to look at what I did is goosebump inducing and addictive. So wow. like come hang out with us. <laughs> um, nice. but if you, if, if coming in and physically volunteering, isn't something that you have capacity for, please just reach out to us and let us know kind of what you might be interested in doing. And we're always happy to chat.
0: Uh, Brittany, I gotta say, I'm telling you this is uh, real innovative thinking and important stuff. I mean, you, you're changing lives.
1: It's pretty amazing. I'm just honored that I get to do it.
0: Nice. Um, It is Brittany Greer, uh, the executive director and founder of Rosie Riveters. Uh, It is an organization dedicated to closing the gender gap uh, in the field of STEM and, uh, are, you were a presenter here at Florida makes, uh, what did you, uh, what was your presentation on just,
1: um, I'm presenting actually tomorrow. Okay. Um, and we're actually going to, it's part of a discussion. So if you're here at the event or going to be at the event tomorrow, come and join us. Um, and it's about that pipeline conversation and it's about outreach. Um, and so my soapbox that I stand on is the earlier, the better, um, particularly if we're looking to diversify that pool. So I'm excited to have that conversation tomorrow.
0: Beautiful. Brittany Brittany, uh, Greer, um, Executive Director uh, and Founder of Rosie Riveters. Uh, Again, Brittany, thank you for your time here. Thank you for your participation uh, in the Florida Makes uh, Make More Manufacturing Summit. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, This is Small Biz Florida. I'm Tom Kindred, your host. And uh, there is a whole lot more to come uh, from the Florida Makes Make More Manufacturing Summit here in Lake Nona at the incredible Guidewell Innovation Center. So stay tuned. This is Small Biz Florida. This has been Small Biz Florida, created and produced by the Florida Small Business Development Center at Indian River State College. Your host for Small Biz Florida is Tom Kindred. Partners for Small Biz Florida include WPSL and WSTU and Indian River State College, named the 2019 winner of the Aspen Prize for Community
1: College Excellence.